The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name's Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It's a Monday. That means it's the mailbag edition. We take your questions. We try to answer them to the best of our ability. And here to help me try are my dear pals. First, find them on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Maddie Lane, how is it going, my friend? It's going well. I'm excited. We didn't do a mailbag last week for the first time, I think, ever. So it's nice to be back here with the people. We are a podcast of the people. We are excited to take your guys' questions and answer them. Any questions you guys have, I know there's not a lot of football going on right now, but we're ready. We're sorry we missed last week's, but we hope that, you know, the special edition show kind of got you guys a little bit more excited than another mailbag would have. Of the people, for the people. That's that's our moniker, right? <laughs> we we placed that on the podcast before we even started. Right? Oh wait, no, I don't. I don't think we did. No, it's good to talk to you guys. You guys have some excellent questions this week. I looked ahead at some of them. Some of them are going to be thinkers. So uh, I I think this is going to be a good app. No, you guys. So you're saying I'm in a pickle since I haven't read a single one yet. Yes, but that's that's classic Maddie anyway. That's every week. Full disclosure. <laughs> Maddie, you know, sometimes he admits it too. The best, the best moments are when Maddie's like, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I didn't read the question, so I didn't do this research here real quick, uh, but <laughs> it's the best moments. Um, and we'll get to the questions in a second. Uh, just a little teaser for you. Uh, as of right now, we are scheduled to have our pal, Matt Miller from Bleacher Report, their lead NFL draft writer on the show on Wednesday. Uh, I, he, he, uh, he agreed to come on uh, tentatively currently playing for this Wednesday show. Uh, so that should be a lot of fun. I want to talk to him about the 18 draft, the 19 draft, and then maybe uh, pretty heavy on the 20, but I want a couple thoughts on the previous two drafts. Basically every Brett Veach draft we're going to cover in, in some capacity with him. So I'm really excited to talk to him. I want him to have a chance to talk about what he's doing with his foundation, the 417 foundation too, cause he's doing some really cool stuff. Uh, it's going to be a good show. So be, be sure to listening on Wednesday as well, but let's just jump into the questions. It, it feels good to be back doing a mailbag. Um, it's been a while. It's been two weeks and I, I missed it. This is honestly, I think this is our favorite show. We like letting people kind of drive the conversations of what they want to hear. So, uh, five-star review questions. We have a couple. If you leave a five-star review on the channel, uh, on, on, on iTunes, uh, like and subscribe, feel free to do that. But you leave a five-star review and you ask a question, we try to answer it. Giga Knight 21, if cheese players were soups, 
Which soups would they be? Follow up is chili a soup? This is the most off-season question that <laughs> we possibly could have gotten. I'm not going to cover everybody. Um, no, there's, there's no way. Of, we can't do There's a lot of people. very good soups, but I'm going Tyron Matthew is a seafood bisque. Very versatile. It can carry by its own self a meal, or it can be a side, a nice piece that you can move around as a chess piece that's a solid soup. And chili is not a soup, guys. It is not. It is closer to a stew, although it's mostly just chili. Soups are liquidy, you know, sort of uh, vessels that you need to eat with a spoon. You can put chili on a hamburger. You can't put chicken noodle soup on a hot dog. So, uh, you know, maybe you can. Ugh. That's gross. You can but put it on mashed potatoes. I know people that do that. Yeah, but you need a solidifying agent for that. With chili, you can just put it on stuff because it's thick enough. So, no, it's not a soup. I concur. Chili is in no way, shape, or form a soup. I'm not a big soup eater. This may come as a surprise to a lot of people. Um, they're good, but they're kind of an appetizer for me. There's not enough, you know, they're just not filling enough. There's not enough calories in most soup, like filling. So I'm not a big soup guy, but um, I will say this. Breland Speaks is a clam chowder because it's the heartiest soup I can think of. Wow. That is uh, slightly offensive. Uh <laughs> Chili's not a soup, but it's it's closer than you think. Um, no, it's not. And Patrick Mahomes is chicken noodle soup because he's the goat. Chiefs rule 42. If we are no longer blocking assistant coaches from signing with other teams, what is the compensation that we would receive if they are still under contract? I know John Gruden was traded for draft picks. I think it's one of those situations where if it's a lateral move, you see uh, NFL teams make trades like that. Uh, John Gruden was still under contract as a head coach and was traded there. You know, Herm Edwards was a similar situation with the Chiefs. If you're talking about, you know, Mike Kafka moving from a QB coach to maybe an offensive coordinator somewhere, the Chiefs can't really do much to block him there short of offer him, you know, a higher paid position within the organization. So from that regard, there's really nothing in a compensation way that you can do keeping your assistant coaches. All right, let's go ahead and jump to the Twitter questions now. Uh, N. Russell 2018 asks, did you see anything from Andrew Soro in training camp slash the XFL that makes you think he can push for Armani Watts roster spot? Um, Andrew Soro, if you did not know, he was with the Chiefs in training camp last year. He played in the XFL this year, and he was signed. Poor went out for Felton Davis, who lost his roster spot now that Andrew Soro is in the mix. Uh, do I think he can push for Armani Watts' roster spot? Not really. Uh, you know, he's a guy that, yeah, he, great. He has some familiarity with what the Chiefs have done. He, uh, he's been available to this point. He's been available for a while. Uh, and now he's finally getting picked up by the Chiefs as a camp body. The Chiefs really needed some depth at safety for training camp. They did not have a lot of uh, of a lot of bodies um, at the safety position. This gives them a guy that knows the defense that can come in and give them reps. I consider him more of a camp body. If you're looking for someone to replace Armani Watts, I think we talked about this last week. Rodney Clemens, the undrafted free agent from SMU, has been getting a little bit of love from Sam Madison. He's a guy you need to keep an eye on. Jayok Josh asks, do you think there's anything Byron Pringle could do in a camp to 
in camp to pass Robinson in the staff's eye and play more snaps than DeMarcus this season. I just sidebar real quick, Maddie. I always give you the Byron Pringle questions or let you lead the Byron Pringle questions every single time. As you should. And I appreciate that. Pringles unite. Pringles. <laughs> I don't think there's anything Byron Pringle can do to overtake Demarcus Robinson in camp because he would have already done it. I don't think you can watch Demarcus Robinson play and really point your finger to him doing anything particularly great and or better than what we've seen Byron Pringle do in such limited snaps. Other than Demarcus Robinson and Patrick Mahomes have a fantastic connection on broken plays or later kind of in reps when Patrick Mahomes is scrambling. Robinson and Mahomes just seem to be on the same page a ton. I think Demarcus Robinson's also a very good blocker. So you see him on the field a lot in situations where they're going to ask an outside wide receiver to block in these broken plays that Patrick Mahomes lives in. I think that's kind of where Demarcus Robinson's production and usage comes from. That being said, if Pringle shows that he knows the playbook, and especially if Sammy Watkins gets hurt at all again, I do think Byron Pringle is your second X wide receiver. He's the next guy up behind Sammy Watkins again, but it's nothing really that Pringle can do. It's all about the other players. Uh, this question was directed at Craig, and you'll see in a second. Uh, Kyle K asks, now that we have upgraded the defense with athletic linebacker play and speed in the secondary, what are some new defensive looks that you would like to see, Mr. I'm too good for a mustache now? Hashtag shaking my head. You know, it's not that I'm too good for the mustache. The mustache is too good for me, you guys. <laughs> I just, I, I can't, I can't pull it off. That's all it is. It's, it's just too glorious. I can't, I can't do it. Um, I am going to write a little bit this week, and I've been writing about the Summer of Spags Part Two, where I'm looking at some stuff that I would like Steve Spagnuolo to add and layer on top of his defense now that he's got the foundation in place. I'm going to talk about you know kind of a mint or a tight front this week. Because they added Willie Gay, they've got a guy and maybe Mike Dana that can play a little bit of that jackbacker a little bit and absolve Tyrant Matthew of any of the run fits there. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that this week. Be on the lookout for it. But I think that that's something that they can maybe add on there. And then throughout the offseason here, I'm just going to be periodically popping in, writing about some of this stuff, writing about some of these formations and changes that he can add in with the new speed and athleticism on the uh, defense. All right, Doovie013, is there a chance that you can show us an example or two of what people mean by Hardman needs to improve his route running ability to get on the field more? Um, yeah, let's let's give it a go, boys. I mean, I think it might be a little bit challenging to maybe we just give them some plays that we think you know might be an example. Uh, let's go to the touchdown that he had against the Tennessee Titans. Uh, I thought, you know, kind of trying to run that little middle curl route. There's a lot of steps. It's really choppy at the top of his, at the top of his route. And that's one of the things where he does such a good job, you know, challenging vertically with speed and pressing vertical that when he's, you know, trying to, you know, break down, maybe run a curl route. And, and there's several instances of that, that throughout, um, you know, games that I've watched he loses some of what he gained by pressing vertically, you know, because it's, it's taking him more steps to get to, you know, plant his foot, uh, slow down, plant his foot and turn and get, you know, and, and, and run a curl route. He loses some of that. I think those kind of instances are one of the things that you see with him among other things. I'll let these guys jump into here that 
I would like to see more efficiency at the top of the route with a lot of the stop and start kind of routes. Where, and I'm not trying to compare him to Tyreek Hill, but you watch the way Tyreek Hill runs some of those deep curls, some of those seven stops, those third down stick plays. Like McCole Hardman, just watch, watch some, maybe watch some of the third down stick plays that he's in, and watch Tyreek Hill playing the sticks routes, and watch, watch McCole Hardman, and watch the difference. And I'll let these guys jump in, but I have a few more other thoughts. Yeah, and I'll make this quick because I'm the defensive guy. I'm going to talk about it from the defensive standpoint. If you are a cornerback and and you have a receiver that's taking extra route or extra steps at the top of the route, that allows the cornerback to transition and catch up. He's got great, you know, explosiveness. He's obviously fast as hell, but that's limited if a cornerback can react to the change quicker than McCall Hardman can. The other thing that he does a little bit is his head and his shoulders. He tips his routes sometimes before he's coming into the top of the break there, and that allows good cornerbacks to kind of read that, know where the route's going. We know that he's got vertical speed and can take off and really burn a team deep over the top. He's got elite speed in that regard, and nobody's taking that away from him. But if you've got a cornerback that can just play that deep route and read these keys, Read these tips that he's basically giving when it's time to come into his break and when he's in the middle of his break. He's just not quite clean enough in that regard, and that allows the cornerback to close the gap on a guy that should be faster in and out of these breaks and able to create some natural separation there. And like Kit said at the top, it's kind of hard to explain this over an audio medium, but I don't want to sound too nitpicky, but I'm going to go ahead and pull out my route chart here that I made of McCall Hardman. I have less than 15% of the routes I charted from four different games that involve a hard break. That means a 90 degree cut. It's like an in route or an out route or more, which would be a curl or a comeback. Less than 15%. Every other route he's running is a go route or just an angled route across the field with no hard breaks and no cuts because like we're kind of pointing to here, he's not particularly quick in and out of these cuts. He doesn't set the moves up very well. His route tree is very limited for what the Chiefs had him run. And so going back to what Kent's talking about, what Craig's talking about, you can watch him run the vast majority of in routes, comeback routes. He doesn't attack leverage on defensive backs hardly at all. There's a couple in the Houston Texans playoff game where he's making a hard break and he never once presses the outside shoulder when he's cutting inside of the defensive back. He just runs straight until he hits his marker and then he tries to chop his feet and make the break. At no point in time is the defensive back ever pressured to turn and run vertically or outside. Like He doesn't do a very good job of making the defensive back second guess his technique or where he's going. I even have a few things with Hardman when he's running vertical routes. He can't beat press coverage very well. He doesn't use his hands off the line of scrimmage. And he's he's done a better job as the year went on, varying his releases with his footwork. But he tries to win every single deep route with just pure speed. There's a play against the Texans where the ball's incomplete. Patrick Mahomes does it's a deep route down the right sideline. Mahomes leaves the ball a little bit on the inside. Hardman asks for the ball on the outside after the play's over, but he's blocked. The cornerback has his arm in front of McCole Hardman, squeezing him into the sideline, and he can't get around him because Hardman didn't do anything besides try to run fast in a straight line. He's got to do a better job setting cornerbacks up to get by them. It's not college anymore. Your fantastic speed isn't going to beat every single player on every single rep. Couple things that worry me for the outlook of him, you know, building off of last year and really exploding to a bigger role is. You know, if he does get more opportunity, 
naturally he's going to have to beat press more like like Maddie what Maddie was talking about beating press like he's going to have to have he's going to have to be better off the line of scrimmage than he was last year. He's not going to get as many free releases if he is getting more opportunities. That's just natural. And, you know, if if you're one of two receivers on the field like some people want him to be, you're you're going to have to beat press. It's either you or Tyreek's going to probably have to beat press. Um so that gives me a little bit of pause and concern. That's definitely a place he's need he's going to need to improve. But the other thing, the thing that really worries me about his projection and his upside is, I mean, it's it's sustained throughout his college tape, and it's what you know you watch last year. Is I think you know he's kind of stiff in the hips, and I think that really shows up when I'm talking about those curl routes, those those hard breaks. That is really hard to do if you're more of a linear player. And that's why we've talked a lot about him as a linear player. That's why he was used primarily as a linear player. Like Maddie just said, his he's it's a lot of running fast in a straight line, be it on end arounds, be it vertically. That's what worries me about if, if he's able can you develop more hip fluidity? Sure, but how much? Yeah. And and that's really the one the one piece of all of this because the rest of this stuff that we're talking about being able to beat press you know working on his footwork working on his hips you know his heads and shoulders and everything like that that's all teachable it really is teachable so there is an outlook there but the hip fluidity is the part that's really going to limit him somewhat in doing that being able to sink the hips not being able to do that I guess I should say more importantly is going to limit some of what he can do but. Like Maddie said, that he didn't run the full route tree because they recognized that he needed this development still. We'll see if all this work that he's he's definitely putting in a ton of work this offseason. We'll see if all this work can help clean up his footwork, can help clean up the you know understanding of leverage and all of these other things that he needs to work on. If he gets better, then maybe he can set some of this stuff up a little bit better and we get to see him be more of a weapon next year. That was a great question, and I appreciate the opportunity to kind of flesh out what we see in McCole Harmon. Because we get we get called haters all the time, uh, but that's just where we perceive him. I mean, but like, look, I mean, he still had 500 yards receiving without it. It's just his ceiling is going to be defined by those things and what he's able to do to defeat those things. Uh, ball game 21-32 with the salary talk cap talk now centered on how much it will be reduced. Who is an under-the-radar player or two on the short list of being cut to save money? Uh, I.e. Dirty Dan not being under the radar. Uh, I, I don't know if he's talking about this year necessarily, but maybe in the future some places that they might have to consider making some cap space savings. I don't think that there's anybody that we can really target this year. I think the guys that maybe are on the bubble, they've either <laughs> restructured some stuff recently, uh, they like them more than the rest of us do, or frankly, they're just not making a whole lot of money, so they're not a huge surprise. So in 2021, now you're talking about some guys that can be you know, some cap casualties. Eric Fisher. I'll, I'll use that one. I think he is on the short list there of a guy that if Lucas Niang comes along and they feel comfortable with him at left tackle or if they find themselves another left tackle, I think Eric Fisher, while a, an above average tackle for certain, might be a guy that they look to replace before his skills start to decline into his 30s. I'm going to throw out two for this year because Fisher would have been mine if we were looking ahead. Just in complete surprises, Austin Ryder, if he's going to lose the jobs to a Nick Allegretti or something like that come the start of the season, if they, for whatever reason, need the cash this year, he would be a guy. And I'm sorry if this steals one against two, but I'm still doing the Maddie two for one. Damian Williams, 
we if there's again a chance to need cash right now he's just i think they save a little bit of money on that one but um yeah that's we're gonna go with kent so you're up the maddie two for one like we're branding it now oh man he uses it enough we need to brand it and and start selling advertising dollars for it i got a couple uh yeah maybe there's like maybe we can get like a a restaurant to sponsor the maddie it's the maddie two for one Brought to you by Arby's. Wait, <laughs> never mind. You lost me at Arby's. You had me. A national I, chain. You had me when I was going to get like two meals for the price of one or something. But when you said Arby's, I pulled out. Uh, <laughs> um, I have a couple for 2021. I don't know about 2020. Um, Alex Okafor, very easily uh, cuttable. He probably could even make that argument this year. You could post you in one of them, I think, and save some cap room as well. Um, Anthony Hitchens with a post June one designation, you can save six million on the cap. So, it it looks like you know Anthony Hitchens is uh, his contract his restructure was a bear, but it's a little bit more flexible than you think. All right, we're gonna take a break and we will be back with more of your Twitter questions right after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. We've got more Twitter questions to answer, and we're continuing on uh, with Laytony44 asking, which 2020 rookie will be on the Chiefs the longest? To me, this is a two-horse race, and I know that Craig is going to take the other guy. So I'm going to go ahead and take Legereus Sneed, defensive back. I think just because he plays defensive back, I think there's a chance that you keep him a little bit longer. It's a position that's pretty vital. It's very important. The ability to play cornerback and safety, if need be, be a special teams player with his level of athleticism is going to be up there. I think he's good enough that he gets that at least that second contract. I don't know if it's going to be a top, you know, 10, 15 priced cornerback contract, which means it'll be very affordable. I think some of the other positions, it's a little bit harder to predict success for a long period of time, just given the positions that they play. Just when you think I'm going to zig, I'm going to zag. Oh, I know where you're going. You're going offense. Mike Dana. 
Oh, never mind. What? New defensive coordinator Brendan Daly's going to want one of his guys well throughout the defensive coordinator position that he has. That's a guy not making big bucks in his second contract, but he's going to stick around here through a second contract. He's going to be like the Dan sorensen S guy where everybody's like, man, can we just go ahead and move on from Mike Dana? And he plays through a couple different contracts. Maddie, real quick, I where did where were you having Craig go? I want to make sure because I think I think we're on the same page. Well, see, I know the correct answer just based on how the Chiefs operate. It's going to be an offensive player that's going to be around here, and it's going to be Lucas Nyang. That's I think the correct answer, just because the way the Chiefs have operated, they're going to find an offensive tackle and they're going to leave him there and they're going to keep him for a long time. See, I knew that's what you thought I was going to say, so I went Mike Dana. So my real answer was Lucas Niang. However, this is a Maddie answer and a Craig answer at the same time here. The correct answer is Tommy Towsend. Punters, if if he gets the job, he's sustained. There's your problem. He's got to beat Kenny Powers. Well, I don't think he's going to have that hard of a time. Kent is right because Dave Tobe's never going anywhere. His hair is longer than his net average. Let's just say that. Max Arquilla asks, what is the Chiefs' biggest weakness on defense and what is their biggest weakness on offense going into the 2020 season and what can they do to fix it? Okay, this is this is a question here. Uh, their biggest weakness on offense, I think, is still going to be the interior of the offensive line. The ability to open up running lanes for a running back, whether it's Damian Williams or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to find them, the ability to keep guys off of Patrick Mahomes' feet. just He's done a good job of stepping up into the pocket when it's there later in the year, but he'll still try to escape a ton if they flash pressure up the middle over and over again. The Chiefs' interior offensive line has to be a lot better, so I think that's the biggest weakness on offense. Addressing it, I they've kind of shown they're not going to really do much to address it this year. You're going to hope that Martinez Rankin comes back and that LDT is a little bit more healthy. That's going to give you three guys that played at a higher level of what you got for most of last year. And you hope that's all the improvement you need on defense. I still go with the cornerback position. I think you saw in the playoffs, Charvarius Ward got targeted a few times by a couple different teams. He did not have a strong end of the year. And I know He's getting a lot of hype right now. I know Chiefs fans are really excited for him. And if he takes that next big step, that's huge. And you can flip this answer to something else. But between Ward, the the uncertainty of Bashad Breland ready early in the year and just his up and down play throughout his career and then essentially just being all second year and rookies behind them, I just think that cornerback group could still get the Chiefs lit up, especially as we keep going to the 50-50 ball that's plagued the Chiefs the last couple years. Yeah, I'd like to be different, but frankly, who else on offense? It's just the interior of the offensive line there. And a way that they could fix it is moving Lucas Niang there, even though we don't want them to. We want him to stay out at tackle. Please don't. But if they really, really, really felt like they needed to, they can move him in there. And then, yeah, on defense, I'm tempted to go defensive end. But the you know Alex Okafor and Frank Clark are solid starting defensive ends. The depth behind them has some questions. That's that's really where I you know kind of have some questions about it. But yeah, it's it's the cornerback position, and I think they've done some stuff to try and fix it. They got a lot of young guys, a lot of young athletes on this team, and they're in good hands with Sam Madison and with Steve Spagnuolo. So I do think it's the cornerbacks, but I think that they may have already tried to fix it and we're going to see how much that pays off one of the solutions to fixing 
the interior offensive line might be Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Just, just so you know, he might be able to make them right a little bit more. He's going to have better vision between the tackles. He's a better stop-and-start player. He's got better ability to make people miss behind the line of scrimmage than anybody that the Chiefs have on their roster. Um, and I think because he's such a dynamic weapon in the passing game, um, that could be valuable as well. Uh, defense, I, I'm still worried about the coverage of the linebackers, especially contingent on what they're going to do with Willie Gay. I still think that could be a weakness, and it's still going to be a weakness even if Willie Gay is on the field, frankly, um, potentially, honestly, just because the other guys, if they're base, like, eh, it's it's rough out there. Uh, I don't know what they can do to fix it. They just and also the other thing you got to think about real quick: depth at linebacker is scary. The Chiefs were healthy at linebacker. If they get if they have injuries at li- the linebacker position, it could be rough fast. You you saw even as much as we talked down about Anthony Hitchens when Ben Neiman had to play Mike in the Houston game last year, it was a mess. It was, it a was mess. just an absolute mess. Wasted motion asks: What team does Eric Bieniemy? become head coach for next year houston after bill o'brien gets let's fired. go <laughs> he let's gets go he gets to sean watson and 14 running backs that are magically on the houston roster by the end of the year because bill o'brien's an idiot and he, <laughs> he gets to try and remake that offense and they're going to give him a lot of power there because bill o'brien has all the power i think it'll be a newer gm and then eric Bieniemy will get to be the head coach does he take mike borgonzi with him Oh please don't! I, I this is my these are my anxieties. Uh, take Tobe. Maui, please take Dave Tobe, please. <laughs> Maui Oy asks, who makes the f- final roster? Name two players that make the team that no one is expecting. Oh, I get to go first. Sorry, this is this is this is great radio. Uh, give me give me Lavert Hill. You can find an article on Levert Hill on arrowheadpride.com right now as we speak. Um, and let's go with – is Tommy Townsend a surprise? I'm calling my shot. I'm Team Tommy. No, he's not a surprise. He's the only guy uh, – he's the only one that holds. Dave Tobe wants a punter that holds. Kenny Powers can't hold. Obviously, you have never watched Kenny Powers. It, it's over. It's over, Maddie. No, uh, I'm going to go uh, Darius Harris. I think is going to make this roster for from the aforementioned poor linebacker depth that, you know, Kent said. And then I'm going to say not Lavert Hill, but Javaris Davis, just because that speed is legit. I think they want somebody that can run out of the slot a little bit and maybe somebody that can play a little free safety. He needs a lot of work still, but I, I'm going to go with Javaris Davis. Javaris Davis has the speed and athleticism and Lavert has everything else. If you combine them into one, you're talking about like a round two corner. It's <laughs> I, we've already talked about him a little bit, and I don't know if he counts really as a surprise anymore, but I'm going Rodney Clemens. If an undrafted free agent makes a roster, that's a surprise. Just because he got a little bit of hype and we've talked about him before doesn't take that away. Offensively, John Lovett. I don't care if Anthony Sherman is back. We are moving away from 10% of the offensive snaps fullbacks that are just in there to block and run the once every two year wheel route. We are bringing in the fullback to H back movement. John Lovett makes this football team and he actually does something on offense. Smartosaurus Rex. I've put a bet on the Chiefs going 19 and 0 this year. Am I stupid in thinking this might be our best 
ever chance. Well, it is the best ever chance I think any football team is going to have to go 19-0, or at least up until this point. You never know how things are going to play out in the future, but you're the reigning Super Bowl champs. You dealt with a lot of injuries last year, and you still had a very good record, and it's been a very strange offseason where no one's got to work together. They've brought in a bunch of new players across the league, except for the Chiefs. The Chiefs are bringing back mostly the same team. If there was ever a reason to think that a team could repeat or go 19-0, it would be the team that just won the Super Bowl and brought back nearly the most identical team you could have. Brad K. Porter asks, Andy Reid is always adding new wrinkles. How many plays will be designed specifically for Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and will he get 10 or more touches in a game this season? He is going to get way more than 10 touches uh, per on an average. I think he's going to get close to 15 to 20. I think there's going to be several in the passing game. Um, as far as you know, how many plays will be designed specifically for Clyde, um, I think they're going to try to get him isolated on run, on linebackers a lot more than they have uh, with, with their current running back group. So I do think that they're going to be doing a lot of stuff. And there's so many things that they can do with him there, um, I specifically, <clears throat> specifically getting him out of the backfield. I think really as a pass catcher, that's where he's the most dangerous. You give him a three-way go, really, against linebackers getting out of the backfield on a free release. I think they're going to utilize that a lot more. It may not be like new plays, but I do think that's going to be something that you're going to see a lot more of because they have a player so dynamic and capable. But one thing you got to, you do need to understand, I think everybody needs to understand about Clyde Edwards-Alaire, is I think that they can ask him to do things differently than they've asked a guy like Damian Williams. So I think they can flex him out differently and ask him to do di run different routes and actually be active and live because sometimes these guys aren't really... You're, some of the, sometimes the running back routes, like a lot of times when the running backs are flexed out, it's uh, a lazy uh, outside release vertical <laughs> or a hitch or what they call a China route, which is a hitch into like a, a shot, like like a just a cross across the field at the same plane as the, as the hitch. So like, you know, that's he's going to do more when he's flexed out. Steinley Ryan asks, who leads the Chiefs in interceptions this season? Tyron Matthew, I think that he's, as he will be quick to tell you, he is very smart and a very intelligent player, and he's allowed to move all over the field. That's going to net him the most interceptions for the Chiefs, I believe, in 2021. 2020. Yeah, yeah, it's it's Tyron Matthew, and I'm making the too smart motion right now. It's it's Tyron Matthew. Um, you look more like Dan Sorensen doing it than Tyron Matthew. Yeah, I know, I know. I, I, it is what it is. He retired I, a special teams coach this week. He did. Coach he did. Seeley from the Texans. Gone. The casual Dan Dan Sorensen causing a casualty. Yeah, it's Tyron. Uh, Steve Spagnuolo is moving him around as a chess piece. He's trying to get a lot of those trap coverages, trying to get those robber stuff, trying to get him into spaces where he can affect the passing game. We saw him drop so many interceptions last year. I, I think that he's going to haul those in this year. The thing about Tyron Matthew is that the answer is actually Juan Thornhill. Justin D. Spear, if you were in a fight to the death with a bear... What three Chiefs players would you bring with you, and would y'all win or lose? Derek Nottie, Mike Pinnell, Jackson Barton. They may win, they may lose, I don't know, but I feel confident that I can outrun all of them to get away from the Bear. <laughs> um, okay, let's go with... Uh, 
let's let's go with Tyron Matthew. You need a Badger because Badgers don't care. You are. We're gonna go with uh, Frank Clark, the Shark, and we are gonna go with Colin Saunders. I am not letting Patrick Mahomes near the Bear because if we do lose, which I think we lose, he still gets to play football for the Chiefs. My team is not going to lose because I am a good camper, and these other two are not, and they're going to be around me, that bear is going to go immediately after Kent Swanson's hair product, period. That thing is trying to tear in to the Kent Swanson tent. So with that in mind, I'm taking Mitchell Schwartz, Andy Reid, and Eric Bieniemy, and we're just going to be cooking, period. I feel like the bear might go towards the cooking, no, bears don't come around when people are awake. They always come around when they think the, the campsite's abandoned. See, this is why I'm going to win, Maddie. We're going to clean up everything. I'm gone. <laughs> Jay the Fan 1 asks, If you had to place a bet, which one would you take? Sammy Watkins at plus 65 catches, Clyde Edwards-Alaire at plus 1,450 yards, or Tyron Matthew plus five interceptions. This goes back to the other interception question. Like I think a lot of these are interesting. I'm taking Tyron Matthew with the five plus interceptions because he had four last year and dropped about 15. Like you just got to get one or two of those to swing the other way and you hit this one. And I think he's going to be more on the same page with everybody else on this defense. The defense is going to be humming from the start of the year in terms of the coverage calls and confusing offenses like they were at the end of last season. I think he catches one more of, like I said, the 15 that he seemed to drop last year. I love that Clyde line, by the way. 1450 total yards. I think that I think that's about right for him. And I'd love to take that. And I think that that's probably going to be an over but it is Tyron I you guys remember at the beginning of the year when Frank Clark nobody liked him and Tyron Matthew wasn't quote-unquote doing enough and everybody was talking about how these weren't impact players and it took that long to get everybody on the same page like Matt said they're going to hit the ground running we're going to see a lot of these more exotic coverages early we're going to see Tyron Matthew become a much bigger factor early on this year I think all these lines are really tough and kind of on the high side, honestly, if I'm being real. I think it's the mix for a very interesting question. I think I'm going to go Sammy plus 65 on a contract year where, I mean, I, I don't even no. feel great about it. Do you get just his catches or do you get the catches when he puts himself in somebody else's body? See, if he does that, then it's a heavy over and it's a heavy and I'm taking it no doubt. <laughs> I, but th- there's no way of distinguishing. So maybe I should just count ca- half of Ty, uh, half of ties anyway. Like we'll just we'll just assume. Why well, stick to just the Chiefs? <laughs> <laughs> yep, he's over here holding in Odell Beckham Jr.'s targets, DeAndre Hopkins targets. My man po- is out there. I'm thinking he pops over into the Canadian Football League from time to time. <laughs> Did you see that AJ Brown Sammy Watkins touchdown this week? It was sick. <laughs> Jay Kupchik asks if Queen if Patrick Queen was at 32, was there at 32, I'm assuming. Do you think the Chiefs would have taken him? I think he was absolutely on the list of players the Chiefs were considering. 
I have no idea if they would have taken him over Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or anybody else that may have fallen. But I do think if you look at the Willie Gay pick and just how they've talked about him, that a linebacker of Patrick Queen's skill set would be right there on the possible list as well at the end of the first round. I think they would have taken him. Chief England 55, name a Chiefs player you think will surprise uh, one in a good way and one in a bad way. Uh, good way, Legereus Need. I think he's going to be thrust into action pretty early, and I think we're going to like what we see out of Legereus Need. I think he's just got the right makeup. He's got the right build. He's got you know everything that he needs to succeed. And then in a bad way, man, I I hate to say this because I don't I I love him and I I just don't know. But Mitchell Schwartz, if that back's not okay. If he takes a, a step back with age, we might see a little bit of regression, which is still an excellent right tackle. Don't get me wrong, but I think that maybe he might be a little bit of a surprise that we start seeing a little more pressure coming from that side if he does take a little bit of a step back this offseason. A player that I think will surprise in a good way. There's so many possibilities here. I'm going to go with Frank Clark because I think there's still a lot of people out there that seem to think that he was not worth the trade, not worth the contract. He really wasn't that impactful. I would just beg you guys to go back and just watch how he played when he returned from missing time and just how good he was, not only as a pass rusher, but against the run, setting the edge, and essentially dominating quite a few matchups despite not loading up on the sack numbers throughout the year. And one in a bad way, stick at the same position, Alex Okafor. I don't know exactly what Alex Okafor is. He's had some good years. He's flashed some pretty decent stuff to be a solid second rusher off the opposite side. But he's had way more years where he just can't stay healthy and he just ends up being just another guy out there on the field. I think as Chiefs fans, we kind of talked ourselves into him on the high end a little bit more, thinking he was returning from an Achilles injury and he was going to hit that hot streak that he had before he lost that season and he just never got back there and he just simply may not. Uh, surprise in a good way. Let's go with Sammy Watkins, actually. I kind of want to go Sammy Watkins. I think that this is a year where he puts it all together. He plays with a more sustained level uh, of, uh, you know, of, of, you know, production. I think this could be really big year for him. He's expecting a good year. He's already willing it into existence. If he stays healthy, I think this could be an ultra productive year for him. And someone that I could see step, taking a step back is Bashad Breland. I think he could surprise in a bad way. He's facing suspension, um, you know, potentially, and he had that issue this offseason as well. Um, I, I, it could be, you know, a slow start for him. Which could, you know, really, you know, that that can really disrupt things for him in another contract year. I I could see it being a tough year for him. Pure AV twenty six asks, would you take Jamal Charles in this offense or Clyde Edwards Alaire and why? Man, I've been on the Clyde Edwards Hilaire bandwagon since November and October of last year. I have the receipts, Kent. I was on this bandwagon. I was driving this bad boy so far back. 
I was shocked. I man. would take Jamal Charles so fast over Clyde Edwards-Hilaire because we know what Jamal Charles was. When he was the only person on the Chiefs offense that mattered to an entire defense, he was still the best running back on any given play in the NFL for a period of time. Give me that player surrounded by this talent. And I just, it's simply not close until we see Clyde come anywhere near those numbers, which would be amazing if he did. I just simply don't think it's realistic to have expectations that he would match that. Clyde Edwards Hilaire is tailor made for this offense. He is a perfect fit with what Andy Reid wants to do. They've even got, you know, comparisons back to Brian Westbrook. Hi, Brett. And, you know, we, we've seen them just kind of gush about his ability to pick everything up. And we know that he's going to be able to transform from the collegiate ranks to the NFL because it's a similar type of offense that they run with that sort of weapons and everything like that. So with that being said, it's Jamal Charles because he is the only guy that any team had to account for. And imagine if all of a sudden you got to clear the box for Jamal to just basically be able to hit a gap to the second level every single down. Down, terrifying for defenses he's literally one of the most efficient runners in the history of the world and i love myself some clyde i'm riding shotgun on maddie's bus we've got a lot of clyde receipts that we can we can hang out there but look jamal charles and patrick mahomes together <laughs> like i think like god did not want those two to play in the same era like just they 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 just missed each other for a reason. That's all I gotta say. Well, and Clyde's. I just want to say real quick, Clyde's definitely the better receiver of the two. Like Jamal Charles had but very he, iffy hands. But Jamal's not a slouch. No, no, he's not. But he had a, he had a fair amount of drops throughout his career, and he ran a relatively basic running back route tree for the offenses that he was in. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is definitely a better receiver. And when you just, if you start making check marks, he probably fits the offense to a better. That yeah. being said, Jamal Charles is just a better football player. And I mean, he's a better football player. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a fair assessment, Maddie. Okay, that is going to do it for the mailbag edition. Thank you guys again for all of your questions. We will be back on Wednesday with Matt Miller from Bleacher Report talking some draft. And make sure you check the AP Editor Show tomorrow. Uh, it'll be good stuff as well. Catch you later.